Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. The Sports Grid Network. College football bowl season is here. We've got several games this weekend. I'll have a preview of them here in hour number two as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Sports today. Toward the end zone. It is. Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Owens made the catch. Oh, Pass is caught. Diggs. Sideline. Touchdown. Unbelievable. Toss to White. Welcome back. This is hour number two of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you here on the show. Good to be with you. Sean Guastamacchia, of course, producing the program. We'll get back into a little NFL discussion with Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, it is, uh, it's interesting because I think this time of the year, as we celebrate being with our family and we celebrate the holidays, whatever you celebrate, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, we always seem to forget that the uh, the college football season rages on this time of the year. And I always find it very fascinating that people don't seem, some people don't seem to pay a lot of attention to the initial college bowl games, which as we speak are currently underway in the Bahamas Bowl. But we have several games going on this weekend. And I'd like to uh, review some of them with you and give you my pick against the spread. You guys can tell me what you think at Craig Mish. Feel free to do that. Um, we'll start with tonight because, of course, Buffalo Charlotte underway already in the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, the Frisco Bowl tonight is going to be played. This used to be the Miami Beach Bowl. Interesting game between Kent State and Utah State. And uh, right now, it looks like Utah State's about a six-point favorite. The total is 65 and a half. Isn't it something how the season wore on and Jordan Love went from arguably a top-five pick in the NFL draft to now kind of wondering what he's going to do at the Combine? That's basically all that he has left is this game in the Combine. Earlier this week, a few players from Utah State were cited for marijuana possession, and that certainly kind of lent to the idea that maybe Love and some other players would be suspended, but indeed that was not the case. Kent State 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven games. And this is the first Kent State bowl game, believe it or not, in six years. Utah State's been in bowl seven of the last eight years. I don't think neither either team is very good uh, offensively. Utah State has been very average on defense. And ironically, the last a couple Frisco Bowls have been blowouts since they moved it from uh, Miami Beach to uh, Texas, I believe. Either way, I'm going to lean toward uh, Utah. Uh, excuse me, Utah State. I'm going to lean toward the underdog and Kent State in this game. And my general theory for a lot of these games, especially early on, is heavy on the underdog. Yeah, very heavy on the underdog. In fact, some of these conferences like the ACC not a great conference, but they're covering about 55% of their bowl games over the last five years because they're such big underdogs. So when New Year's Day comes, I tend to maybe flip it a little bit and go the other way. You have some of the better teams, but let's let's really break this down here. 
uh, now before Christmas and even right after, you do not have the best college football games playing in bowl games. And so therefore, these the two teams that are going to face off against each other are pretty much even. And if you're going to get significant points, I think that you take that. All right. The uh, bowl games tomorrow. We got the New Mexico Bowl. That one is first up. Central Michigan and San Diego State. If you follow San Diego State all year long, you'll know that they go under a lot. 11 of their 12 games that they played this season went under the total. But all of a sudden, the last few games, they've started to play a lot better. Their point totals are 16, 25, 24, 30, and 37. Central Michigan, they were brutal last year. 1-11. All of a sudden, Jim McElwain comes in after being fired from Florida, turns them around. Here's the good news. Central Michigan, 8-0 when scoring 24 points or more. 0-5 when scoring under 24 points. And the bad news is for Central Michigan that San Diego State has not given up 24 points in any game this season. So we're going to take San Diego State in this one. I would expect them to win a rare favorite uh, being taken two favorites, actually, for me on Saturday, because I'm also going to take Georgia Southern tomorrow. They play in the Cure Bowl, which is in Orlando. Uh, they play Liberty. Now, uh, this line was six, and it went all the way down to four. Now it's back up to about four and a half. Liberty really slumping coming into the game. Would you believe a team could get into a bowl game losing to Rutgers? Uh, they did. They lost to Rutgers, BYU, and Virginia. Their only wins over the last month and a half, UMass and New Mexico State, two of the top, uh, bottom five teams in all of college football. Georgia Southern runs the ball very well. Everybody knows that. If you follow them at all, Liberty passes the ball very well. People know that as well. But I don't know that Liberty is going to have the ball enough to pass because Georgia Southern just eats that clock. I don't think these two teams stop each other. This feels like a final possession Georgia scores a touchdown. Liberty has the ball at the end of the game with a chance to, to win or cover, and they don't because there's not enough time left. And I'll take Georgia Southern minus the points. My gosh, don't hold taking two favorites against me. I do not like to do that. The Boca Raton Bowl in the afternoon, a very strange line here as FAU takes on SMU and Southern Methodist. Uh, the total is 70, so you can expect a lot of points in this one. But SMU, a three-point favorite on the actual field that the Owls play of, of Florida Atlantic. Why? Because Lane Kiffin left to go to Mississippi. But I just don't understand the line here. I mean, don't the players play the game? I under, it looks uh, Coaching is part of it, but I think this line should be even at the very least, or SMU minus one. Uh, Shea Bouchelle came over from Texas, quarterbacked SMU all year, had a pretty good year. Uh, threw for 200 games in every game but one. This is SMU's uh, best season in about 30 years. Uh, I'm not sure FAU's motivation, but I got to take the points here. I mean, this is a home game for, F for FAU, and FAU has been phenomenal at home. Just because Lane Kiffin uh, is not coaching in the game, does that mean SMU beats this team by more than three? I don't think so. So we will ride uh, the underdog here and take FAU. Uh, a little bit later on Saturday, it's the Camellia Bowl. Florida International, which is otherwise known as FIU, takes on Arkansas State. Arkansas State lost, but played in this bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, James Morgan, pretty good quarterback for FIU. This is his final game with, under Butch Davis of the Golden Panthers. FIU's played great pass defense all year. Arkansas State plays no defense all year. In fact, uh, the Red Wolves' defense over the last four games have given up 34, 33, 27, and 41 the total is 63. Omar Bayless is the player to watch in this one for Arkansas State. He's probably going to be a second-round pick, third-round pick in the NFL. I don't love this game at all. So I think I'm going to uh, pass this game, but I will say that there's a lot of good games uh, that are going to be played, I think, tomorrow. So you'll want to 
definitely stay tuned uh, to that. So uh, those are just a few of the games uh, tomorrow. When we come back after the break, I'll give you a preview of the Las Vegas Bowl, which will be played on Saturday night. The New Orleans Bowl, which will play all, be also played on Saturday night. And then after the NFL plays itself on Saturday and Sunday, believe it or not, we actually have a bowl game on Monday. So I'll give you a preview of the Gasparilla Bowl, which will be played in Orlando. So uh, that's where we stand here on Fantasy Sports Today. Hope you guys are having a great Friday, the final Friday before the holidays, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa. Don't forget, you can like and subscribe to the show just by listening to us and subscribing. It's just so easy. Whether you're listening to us on the FNTSY app or you're listening on iHeartRadio or TuneIn, make sure you also subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. And then this way, as soon as the show is done, our great producer, Sean Glostimachia, also Chris Pavona, they will upload the show. It will get sent to you. And then this way, you don't even have to worry. You get uh, Fantasy Sports Today with me and with Joe Pizzapia four days a week as well. Uh, Also later in the show, for those of you who are playing in the Fantasy Football Championship weekend, don't fret. Jamie Eisenberg is going to be with us and he'll break down everything that could happen this weekend and give you some good start-sit matchups as well. So we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back with some more bowl preview of the games this weekend. Been diving into them pretty hard. Hopefully, we'll give you some winners. You're listening to FST. I'm Craig Mish, flying solo today. Two-minute break. We'll be back with a lot more right after this. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish flying solo with you as we got you until 2 o'clock Eastern. And then Dr. Roto takes over with a little full-time fantasy. Hope you guys are enjoying the early part of the holiday. No doubt about that. I certainly am. We've got NFL games tomorrow, three of them. Got a full slate of games on Sunday as well, and Jamie Eisenberg will be with us to break them all down inside, outside, and in between. That's coming up in less than 10 minutes from now. But we continue to discuss the bowl games this weekend. Where did we last leave you? We left you with FIU and Arkansas State. So uh, there are three bowl games to go for Saturday. Two bowl games, excuse me. And then a Monday afternoon bowl game. What is better than a Monday afternoon, 2.30 Eastern bowl game in Orlando. I have no idea. I won't be there, but uh, interesting game. All right, so potentially the best game of the weekend in the college football bowls will be the Las Vegas Bowl on Saturday night. You may say, why? How is it possible that two teams are good playing on the 22nd of December? Well, that is indeed the case. We have Washington and Boise State faring off here. Um going to play in Las Vegas. The total is 50. Let's take a deeper look at this game. Chris Peterson, of course, the head coach of Washington, uh, burnt out 
and decided that this is going to be his last game coaching Washington. Now, he did not say that he's retiring, which means that Peterson could, is, is, look, he's going to take a year off next year. There's no doubt about that. And then he'll resurface somewhere else. He's a very good coach. So uh, the motivation factor there is definitely on the side of the Huskies. But the Huskies are also going to be without two of their key players in this game that are headed toward the NFL. Their tight end, Hunter Bryant, who had a great year, 52 catches, 800 yards, three touchdowns. And then Trey Adams, their left tackle, who's a first-round pick potentially. Uh, Bryant maybe a mid-rounder. Bryant's stats are great, but he doesn't project as one of the top three tight ends in the draft. Still a huge weapon for Washington, both on the offensive line and tight end. Uh, So is this just as simple as taking uh, Boise State this one? Well, not so fast. Boise State's offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, last week announced that he is leaving to go to Herm Edwards and coach at Arizona State. So those kind of canceled themselves out a little bit. Peterson's record in bowl games is not good. One and four against the spread. Uh, Washington, on the flip side, crushed BYU. And BYU, of course, uh, beat Boise State. But since then, Boise has been really good. And it doesn't seem to matter which quarterback they're playing. And they have had a lot of success in bowl games. So... This does seem like it could be a very close game. I would lean if you're doing a bowl pool or you know thinking of wagering on this game. Not It's not one that I'm going to have anything on, but I am going to take Boise State plus the points here, plus the uh, three and a half. And that probably is, is the best game on Saturday night. So while you're watching the NFL, you can watch a little college football too. Also on Saturday night, it's the New Orleans Bowl. I believe that this is the biggest spread of any game in the bowl season, the biggest mismatch, at least on paper. Appalachian State, who just rolls over teams with their running game, they're 17-point favorites against University of Alabama, Birmingham. The total is 48. UAB is coming off a loss 49-6 to against FAU. Um, App State's won five games in a row. They haven't turned the ball over in three games. You would think that they would blow this team out. It's certainly possible. UAB's best win is against Louisiana Tech. Uh, as I mentioned, they lost to FAU 49-6. They lost to Southern Miss 37-2. to They lost to Tennessee 30-7. to And perhaps the reason why this spread isn't even 20 is another head coach from App State's getting another job. Elijah Drinkwitz, he took the Missouri job. He's gone. But the assistant coaches at App State have decided to stay through the bowl game. So that should give them a little bit of an extra edge. In general, when you're betting on bowl games, at least the trend speaks to not taking favorites, but when the line climbs to 14, 15, 16, those usually cover. So if a team is minus seven, usually side to the dog. If a team is minus 10, same thing. Double digit, 14, 15 point spreads usually cover. So I'll lean toward taking the favorite here, Appalachian State. But in general, this is not a game that I would go heavy on. Um, Okay, so there's no bowl games on Sunday, and then we move to Monday for the final uh, bowl game basically of the weekend. In fact, in the Golden Nugget football contest that I participate in, they actually have this game on the board. So just like Monday Night Football, they decided to play the Gasparilla Bowl Monday afternoon at 2.30 Eastern. Who in the world is going to go to this game? I think you have to ask yourself that question. Uh, why not put the game at four, five, maybe? I mean, I guess they're worried about the competition of Monday Night Football, but Monday Night Football doesn't start till late 20, 8.30. You could have easily played this game at four o'clock or 4.30 Eastern and give people a chance to go to this thing. But uh, look, this is very close to Central Florida. It's in Tampa. It's at Raymond James Stadium. It's an hour and a half away. So all of the Central Florida fans can all travel to this thing. 
But after the last couple of years of UCF playing some fantastic football, why would they? They're 17 and a half point favorites against Marshall in this one. I don't really understand the spread here. I know that Marshall didn't have a great ATS season. They were four and eight uh, against the spread. But overall, Doc Holliday is probably the best bowl coach that's going right now. Six years in a row, six bowl games, six and oh, in all of them. Won 38 to 20 last year. Same exact bowl game, by the way, at USF. So the preparation will be exactly the same. So, I, you know, I don't really don't get it. I guess UCF's offense is just to the point where if if they go up, let's say, 21 to three early or 17 to three early, it could be hard for Marshall to come back in this one. But I don't know specifically what the motivation will be for UCF after thinking they were champions and playing as well as they did the last couple of years and now playing on a game in the afternoon an hour and a half away in Tampa. I don't get it. I'm taking Marshall here and I'm going to take the uh, 17 and a half points and assume that Doc Holliday ends up uh, covering another spread. Um, Final bowl to review and this and we'll talk more about this one next week because we'll have some time. We'll actually be back uh, on Monday and Tuesday for shows. But the Hawaii Bowl is being played on the 24th. If you want to get a little bit of an early edge on that, a uh, this is one of those few games that I already look at the total and say it's too low. BYU Hawaii 64 Uh, BYU crossed Western Michigan last year in their bowl game. Uh, 37 to 18. Zach Wilson, the, the quarterback of BYU, a lot of people thought that he would uh, emerge this season as one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And that did not happen. Hawaii turns the ball over like crazy. They're minus 14 turnover margin, worst in college football. Hawaii is also horrible as a favorite, but good as an underdog. But they got to be a little bit motivated. They're playing in, in their home stadium again. They fell short last year. Looks like Cole McDonald. They play with two quarterbacks. If you watch Hawaii at all this year, it looks like McDonald is going to be the guy in this game. Cordero has been hurt. He hasn't played a lot. And BYU's offense is not as bad as it's been over the last few years. They have put up some points. And I expect in a game like this where, again, I don't know if they have this kind of prop, but if I was to set a prop, it would be for about four or five turnovers at this game. There's going to be a lot of them. There's going to be a lot of throwing. I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes. And so my play would be over 64 points in the Hawaii Bowl between BYU and Hawaii. And so that kind of sets you up for the next few days of college bowls. Now, when we come back here after the break, what we'll do is we'll talk to Jamie Eisenberg about the NFL. On Monday, when we're back, uh, we certainly will have some uh, chance to talk about the rest of the bowl games. And most of the good ones begin after Christmas. And I think the narrative is pretty fair. If you're playing in a bowl game before Christmas, you probably did not have the kind of college football season that you wanted to have. But I get into it. I'm in a bunch of uh, bowl pools still in these uh, college and pro football contests. So uh, college football this time of the year tends to be a lot of fun. A lot of unpredictability in the bowl games, and I always do tend to side with the underdogs in these games. So uh, with that, we'll take a short time out on Fantasy Sports today. Let me set you up for the rest of the show. We got Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports, cbsports.com coming up next. We'll review the fantasy football season, and then what we'll do is we will... Uh, talk about this week's games and see if we can get a good lean on this week's games. And then we'll have the two minute drill, send it over to Dr. Roto at the top of the hour. Uh, I will be back with Joe, of course, on Monday's edition of the show. It is championship weekend in fantasy football. I'm in a championship of fantasy football. So we'll see if Joe ends up winning his flex belt. We'll see if I end up winning my loan championship that I'm playing in. And then we uh, make our trek toward baseball season. That's really where we're at. It's uh, NFL playoffs and baseball kind of uh, starting 
the first week in January. So the show will convert more over to baseball as we move along. All right, uh, quick timeout. We'll be back with more. And Jamie Eisenberg previews the Fantasy Football Championship weekend. In just a couple of minutes, you're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. I am Craig Mish flying solo along with my producer, Sean Glastamachia. And we'll take a short timeout and be back right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is championship weekend, as we've been discussing here on the show, and a uh, fun time for everyone who's really made it to this point. We thought we would dive in a little bit deeper with Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Jamie, good afternoon. It is championship weekend, and uh, by the feel of this show, and I'm sure all the work that you're doing, we got a lot of people who are really into this and trying to take home a championship this weekend. Yeah, this is it. You know, it's funny. You uh, you think about things you do in life and, and, and the time you put into it, and, and obviously a lot of people are really dedicated to, you know, their fantasy team. Some of them are just, you know, casual players. But, you know, this is a, this is a process that started in some cases in July for the most part, you know, August and, 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 and the end of the month. And, Carrying it through from August to you know late December, um, you know you like to see it to fruition and, and getting a championship. And then for uh, for most people, there's there's some monetary you know involvement and, and potentially big big prize. And you know with the holidays and everything that goes with that, you like to have that payday. So uh, you know we we hope that everybody is is successful this time of year. Yeah, and 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 believe me, uh, of all the leagues that I'm in, and I and I have scaled down significantly. I'm in one. Uh, championship and and really the biggest financial one that could possibly be involved, but. Uh, and and and, I'll, and I want to expand on that a little bit because th- there is something that I wanted to ask you about, and and I'm more of a fantasy football purist, and you've been playing forever, and so have I. Back to the days when you had to wait for the paper to come out and write down the scores. I mean, I go that far back with that. Uh, I, I I have Brashad Perryman. Okay, I picked him up off the waiver wire. I'm going to start him this week. I don't feel right about it though, Jamie. I don't know. There, there's something about. I got to tell you, and, and this happened with Jamal Williams. I had him last year and won the championship also in the same uh, with the same partner, same league. Last year was the Marlins. This year it's it's the Phillies. But uh, I, you know, it doesn't feel right. I, I don't know. Like there's something about a fantasy league where I get it. A guy gets hurt, and you should be able to replace him. But you're going to have people winning fantasy championships, Jamie, with players that they didn't have the entire season and they're going to play one week and can help you win. Do you get what I'm saying? Or am I just too stupid old school and I need to move on from that? It feels dirty. I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I get it. You know, it's like uh, you're taking a test and, and right at the last minute, somebody hands you five answers to a, a 10 question you know, quiz. Um, and, and so you feel like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm getting an edge, but did I really deserve to get this? A? Um, I, 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 that's just the nature of, you know, the NFL and, and football and, and fantasy, I think, you know, I'm trying to think if there's a, a setup. Oh, that there's a perfect setup. Uh, did the Eagles deserve to win the Super Bowl because Nick Foles stepped in and, and started for them? Yeah, you know, I mean, they're you know, yeah. backup backups that come in and, and that's their job. 
and he's not really a backup. You know, he's just getting a, an elevated opportunity from the third receiver to the top spot. So, um, I, I guess I, I get where you're coming from that, you know, you're, you've sort of been handed a gift at, at the latter part of the season. And, and this is where, you know, fab versus waivers is always a, a, a fun discussion because if it's waivers and it's the top two teams making it to the championship, the two seed gets the benefit over the one seed because they get the opportunity to pick up that guy first. So it's not right. just Perry. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's Mike yeah. Boone. It's Mike Boone. It's uh, DeAndre Washington. It's, you know, which guy did you get first and will that guy be better than the guy that went second? So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's why you, you know, we talk about it. It, it stinks that it's going to be like in Boone's case, that's going to be Boone and not Madison because for the people, especially that advanced to their finals, carrying Cook and Madison, and then somebody else got Boone. I mean, imagine how that guy feels, you know, that, that thought they did the right thing in, in, in handcuffing the, the, one of the top running backs in football all season long. And now the third stringer is going to come along and beat you. Yeah, I listen. I've, I've, I didn't have Cook, but I carried Madison the whole year. In fact, last week, uh, you know, when I watch the games, I, I tend to watch sometimes with one game with sound up and then one not. Like I have the TV on the main one, and then I have my laptop running with the red zone and all the other games. And so, for some reason, I didn't have Minnesota as my primary game for whatever. I don't know why I didn't, but uh, but so I, I saw the Minnesota running back run in, and I'm like, oh great, you know. I saw Cook got hurt. I'm like, okay, I, I did notice that, and then I saw a running back score. I'm like, oh great, Madison, man, next week I'm going to be able to play him. And I didn't even realize for like 15 minutes after that it wasn't him, and it was Boone. I had no idea Madison was inactive, but again, I'm not following. Uh, as closely as you or even with players that I know that aren't playing. And so I, I guess we need to expand this. Boy, so much is in play for Minnesota. I, I kind of feel like, Jamie, that that I guess no matter what, even if the Rams lose, I feel like Zimmer is going to want to play hard versus Green Bay, even though they have so such a little shot to win that division. I, I don't think that they can lay down at all at home. People are paying hundreds of dollars for tickets. It's the Packers. I feel like he's going to play his best guys. But what is the most likely scenario to play out of this thing? Is it that Boone is the only active running back of those three? And then, I mean, how do you make that decision to play Boone or not? Is it come down to other matchups? Should you hold, uh, you know, Boone into Monday night? Like, I, I really, like, I have a flex spot, Jamie, where I have digs. And I'll have a chance to put Boone in if I need to because I added him too. I know this is a long question. I don't really know if I even asked the question. It just seems very confusing with Minnesota situation. <laughs> well, first off, it, it, there, there are... They still win the division. So if they win and then they win week 17 and the Packers lose, the division's very much in play. So this is a huge no, game. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, they're 10-4 and four and the Packers are 11-3. So yeah, but the Packers, yeah, Packers get the Lions at home, Jamie. I mean, I don't know. I just I don't see it. Well, if you, if, you, if you recall, once upon a time, the Lions have beat the uh, Packers. Um, well, I know. <laughs> I, I just I, I feel like that's the biggest spread on the board. And, and look, Green Bay would have to completely fall flat. But in theory, you're correct. And the, and the way that they play the NFL is in theory. So that is indeed correct, factually. Plus, I think uh, they can still move to the five, right? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, you, you. I don't know about all that, but I just know the division situation. Yeah, I guess. I guess it comes down to: Do you want if if you can't win the division, do you want to be the sixty to play the NFC East winner? That's probably something that they could be looking at. Not and tanking, they, but and they would, uh, right? But they, I would rather play at Philly or at Dallas than I would against San Francisco, right? Wouldn't you? No. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it could be any of the, the teams, depending on how it goes one through three. True. Um, so uh, they could be playing the Packers again. Um, I, I I think you know they're going to go all out and try and win the game. You know, with the fact that they still can win the division. And um, so I guess the the problem is is that uh, you know if we get 
something. Remember, it's a Monday night game, so you're still going to get a practice report on Saturday. Right. If we get any semblance of Saturday that, uh, especially with the Saturday games, you know, when you're looking at who you're, you're, you're starting on your fantasy team, that Cook got in a limited session or Madison got in a limited session, then you have a really tricky scenario at play because what are you going to do in terms of waiting out the Monday night game? Because if Boone starts, uh, the Packers' run defense has been bad the majority of the season. They give up a lot of touchdowns. And so you'd like to have that guy because while I think – I don't think. I know Dalvin Cook's a great player. He's been enhanced by what the Vikings have done running the ball this year with Kubiak and Stefanski. Uh, Madison could be a great player. His numbers, I think, have been enhanced by the system, and Boone could you know, certainly follow suit as we saw two touchdowns against the Chargers. So um, I would love to start Mike Boone in, in most scenarios, but you just have to sort of judge it based on who you have on, on your fantasy roster if, in fact, we don't get any news. Now, the fact that Adam Schefter said Cook unlikely to play makes sense because no matter where the Vikings finish, they're going to the playoffs. Um, and so I, I, uh, most likely, I don't think the Rams are going to catch them. So I, I think you're looking at a situation of, it's a great opportunity for this running back to help your fantasy team, and, and you'd like to have that starter. So, you know, it, like you, you said, you're not a Cook owner, um, but you were a Madison owner. I, I think a lot of people at this point that don't have Dalvin Cook are clearly rooting for Dalvin Cook to sit and for Madison to sit and maybe get this guy in your fantasy team. Yeah, so, so if, if Cook will sit, let's assume. If Madison sits as well, and let's say I'm playing in my league this, this week and I'm down 10 points, would I play in a PPR? Would I play Boone or would I play... Uh, Diggs in the flex. In PPR, I'd probably still play Diggs. Uh, his track record against the Packers is amazing. Uh, he scored a touchdown in each of the last five games against them, six touchdowns over that span. If you recall the game earlier this year, he had one catch. It was a 49-yard touchdown. So he just <laughs> had success against his team uh, time and time again. And so um, I probably would hang my hat on him in PPR. Now, non-PPR is a little different. Um, I think then you go with you know, the guy that has a chance to get maybe 20 carries and, uh, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown, that's, that's kind of, I think, where Boone can be if, in fact, he's the guy without uh, both Madison and Cook on the team. Jamie Eisenberg is with us from CBS Sports, cbssports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. If, uh, if indeed Saturday's game plays out the way that most people think with the total of 50, there's a good chance that this will be the Jameis Winston won you a fantasy championship run. And again, for me to be in the spot, I have Winston. Didn't play him all year long. And then all of a sudden, last week, <laughs> threw him in. Uh, Brady's gone the other way. I probably should, should have thrown Winston in, honestly, last couple of weeks, but I did not. Uh, but the scenario now, as everybody knows, Jamie, and these are the million questions I'm sure that you're getting, is uh, Brashad Perryman, I'm guessing for you, like everybody else, at least from what I hear, is a mandatory like wide receiver one start if you own him. Uh, you'll tell me if that's not the case. And then the follow-up to that is if Miller is out, along with Godwin and along with Evans, is this Watson a wide receiver two start for you? Should he be picked up and added, and should he be started as a wide receiver two or a flex? And how serious, how much serious consideration would you give to him? Yeah, Perryman for me is more of a top 20 guy than a top 12 guy. I just think you have to build in some risk. The fact that there, you know his career is what it is and – you know, the fact that he was great last week, he did it on six targets. So is he going to go from six targets to 12, or is he going to go from six to eight? You know, that's kind of the question you have to ask yourself. And, you know, you still have – it's funny because while Jameis has been very good lately, um, clearly better in fantasy than reality, but oh, he yeah. hasn't been exactly, you know, terrible in, in reality either, especially last week, um, we, we still know what he's capable of doing. You know, there's still a meltdown potential for him week in, week out. And I know that's been, you know, your hesitation to play him, understandably so, because you don't want to have what we saw in London – that time when he, you know, threw uh, the six interception, you know, six turnovers, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you're taking away, you know, th- there's a reason. And, and think about the great receivers in the NFL, the great receivers in the NFC, and the numbers that some guys have put up this year. 
Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are two of the four Pro Bowl wide receivers. And this isn't about guys playing in the Pro Bowl. This is guys earning the Pro Bowl right. There's a big difference in the guys who play versus the guys who get the honor. And so they earn the honor to be two elite-level receivers because of what they've done. You take those two guys away, and it's all of a sudden, well, I feel the same confidence in, in Jameis Winston. You know, one of my colleagues, Dave Richard, still has him ranked as a top three quarterback. I don't get that. Like, I still think he's top ten, but I'm not starting Jameis Winston over Patrick Mahomes, even with Mahomes playing to Chicago. So I still think you've got to build in some risk here with a guy of his track record in terms of Winston and taking away his best option. Now, for Perryman, I think you will get six to eight targets, and he'll have the chance for 60 to 80 yards and a touchdown. Right. I think Watson, as we saw two games ago, had five catches, 60 yards, and, and, and a score, and that was the game without Scott Miller, who you have to also mention is not playing with a hamstring injury, too. The tight ends last week combined for 15 targets. It was a season-high eight targets for O.J. Howard. It was seven targets for Brait, which I think is the second-best total of the season, and the matchup is good against tight ends for the Texans, so those two guys can catch the ball. And then, you know, you have a lot of coach speak from most NFL head coaches. Bruce Arians is one of the ones that cuts through the BS and kind of gives you, you know, what's coming from his mouth is typically you know, coming from his brain, and it's kind of the game plan. And he said, we're going to throw to our backs. And there's no team that allows more receptions to running backs than the Texans. So Ronald Jones and Dario Gumbawale would be the two that I think, you know, matter here from a pass-catching standpoint. Now, you're probably not going to start them in your championship, but those are going to be guys that help Winston get his numbers. So it's all over the map for this Tampa Bay receiving core. But if you're just looking at it from who has the most upside, it's clearly Perryman. We saw that last week. Now we put Howard second and then Watson third. Yeah, going to be fun because the game is Saturday and it's rare to have these many fantasy options playing at 1 o'clock Eastern before all the other games on a Saturday. A lot of people in the fantasy championship are going to have some sort of outcome going into it. Speaking of which, we'll preview the rest of the games coming up next. Championship week is here. Jamie Eisenberg is with us. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish here on the program Flying Solo. Jamie Eisenberg has been with us all season long here from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. And certainly appreciate Jamie coming on the show. Um... Okay, so so we talked about the Houston game against Tampa Bay. Certainly, everyone knows who to play on Houston at this point. It's the quarterback and the receiver, and then beyond that, you're taking a risk, of course. Uh, the the other games on Saturday don't provide as much fireworks fantasy wise. But what choice do you really have at this point? I mean, you you can't go to the waiver wire uh, hypothetically and pick up players on somebody else's team that's been eliminated. So you have this New England game against Buffalo, Jamie, with a very low total, 37 or 38 points, I believe, is there. And then you have the Rams, who nobody could figure out, including myself, on a week-to-week basis. Are the Rams back? Are they not back? They play great. They play terrible against Dallas. I don't know what to make of them. And the San Francisco 49ers, who just are a desperate need of a win. Is it basically just the, the all-hands-on-deck for the players that you have on your team for those Saturday games? Or are there any like sneaky options that you would throw in there? potentially to play as opposed to waiting this out on Sunday. 
the the sneaky play probably comes from the Patriots receiving core if you are willing to trust it. But I don't think a lot of people are willing to trust it. And the only reason I say that is because Edelman's not 100%. And so if they were playing an easier opponent, then maybe you buy into that. But Buffalo is obviously a great defense, so there's no trust factor there, and especially with how Brady has performed fantasy-wise. You know, I don't know if all the offensive woes are on him. This isn't a Brady's done, you know, uh, scenario in my opinion. But um, bad offensive line play what we're, from what we're used to for the Patriots. The receivers, besides Edelman, are not winning. Now you have Edelman hurt. Um, I'm not going to trust Muhammad Sanu or Jacoby Myers or Nikhil Harry. One of them could play well. Um, the only one I think that you could look at and say that I would like from the Patriots standpoint is James White, just because it's an easy target for Brady. We see him have success. He had success last, success last week and can easily do so again. So it's, uh, it's probably a situation to avoid in terms of the second tier guys for all of these teams. I am definitely afraid of uh, Todd Gurley this week for what the usual expectations are because this 49ers run defense has just been absolutely amazing. You know, the resume is impressive the last four weeks when you talk about Mark Ingram, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, and Devontae Freeman, and you could clearly, you know, compare Gurley to all four of those guys to varying degrees. They've been seven PPR points or less to each of those four guys. And so with Gurley scoring touchdowns, he's been great. The numbers outside of the touchdowns, you can, you know, eh, it's okay. This is good. Not bad. But, um, I don't know if Gurley's going to have a big game, especially, you know, with uh, they're clinging to slim playoff hopes. I don't know how realistic they are. And, you know, if I'm the Rams, I want to be cautious with Gurley if I'm still counting on him for 2020. Yeah, I mean, Gurley, it's uh, it's amazing that how little fantasy value he has. But then, you know, they throw a pass. It's a pass interference. They have the ball in the one, and then the dude scores two touchdowns. It's like that's been the story all year is he's just got that volume sure. near the goal line. And so a touchdown heavy league non-PPR, a lot more valuable than the PPR for sure. Uh, Jamie, the most compelling game for sure on the board and expected to have some fantasy fireworks probably, I would guess, between the, the Cowboys and, and Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, another, you know, two teams that I can't figure out. I mean, how in the world Washington can hang – with Philly for as long as they did last week, how the Dolphins can take out Philly like they did a couple of weeks ago, how Dallas can look so awful against some teams and then against the Rams look like exactly who they thought they were. Uh, Let's start off on the Philadelphia side here. Greg Ward, who I loved playing quarterback at Houston, is now getting a lot of the targets with Philadelphia. It's really amazing that they could start two tight ends there, Ertz and Goddard both getting some love there in terms of targets and fantasy points. Uh, On the Philadelphia side, we've seen... Uh, you know, is this the beginning of something for them? Do they do they play at home? Do they beat Dallas with Ward and now Miles Sanders getting a lot of touches and then throwing to those two tight ends? I mean, nothing would shock me with them. Seems like as soon as we count out Philly, that's when they show up. Uh, for sure, and, and you know the the biggest story of the game, which factors into Philly's defense, is Dak Prescott's shoulder. And so, if you were to tell me Dak's one hundred percent, I think Dallas, based on talent, should win the game. But with the fact that he's not 100% in the game in Philly, you got to give a slight nod to the Eagles, uh, despite how poorly they look because of what you, know, you alluded to, that when their backs are against the wall, when it seems like they're done, they seem to rise to the occasion, which has happened you know, in, in two of the last three weeks, um, you know, with the overtime win and then what they, done, what they did against Washington. Yeah, how about the last so, two years, uh, by the way, Jamie? <laughs> the last uh, two years you thought they were dead. 100%, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know... Uh, for for the Eagles fantasy wise, uh, Miles Sanders has become a star, you know, and, yeah. and it's nice to see that the Eagles finally have a running back, really in the Doug Peterson era, 
that you could say not only are they leaning on him because he's leaned on guys before. It's sort of a myth that he doesn't, you know, when he has a guy, he doesn't give him work because it happened with Josh Adams a couple times with Jay Jai when they made the trade and Jordan Howard early this year and now Miles Sanders. He's been he's been great. Uh, Ertz is clearly a must play, but you have Greg Ward, like you said, uh, he scored last week and you know nine targets with the injuries there. He's he's somebody that's in play as a number three receiver in three receiver leagues. And then Boston Scott, you know, that, that sort of saved them in the Giants game and it's carried over to the Washington game that, you know, if you look at him, um, you know, it, it's kind of similar to what you said. You looked up and you thought that was Madison scoring the touchdown. If you were watching the Eagles play, you look up and you go, man, Darren Sproles, turn back the clock. He looks great. <laughs> right. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's essentially the same type of player. And that was, um, you know, a, a comp for Boston Scott coming out of college. So I, I like the setup for him in, in PPR if you need a flex. Uh, if you're stuck or if you're, you know, stuck at your running back position, let's say you did lose there, uh, Dalvin Cook or Josh Jacobs and couldn't get the backups, and there's Boston Scott just sitting on your waiver wire because nobody wanted to buy into it. Well, you know, it's two good games now in a row. You might want to buy into it. Um, so, you know, there, there's the must play of Ertz, and then there's the – and Sanders, and then the, the sort of the rest of the crew. And, and Wentz is kind of uh, – if he's gotten you to this point, you stick with him. If not, you know, you can you can make the change to a Ryan Fitzpatrick or, or one of those type of guys, but I don't think it's a, it's a must play for Zach Ertz or a must avoid for Zach Ertz. He's kind of in that purgatory of, uh, you know, not knowing what to do and just kind of, I think, comparably to where your confidence level is with him. All right, so um, the Sunday night game has some interest because the Chiefs are playing out of this world again, Jamie, and I guess there is some scenario that I heard mentioned where uh, if Baltimore ends up winning their game on Sunday before they play and Houston loses to Tampa Bay, uh, the Chiefs are locked into their position, I guess, no matter what. Is there any concern at all with with playing the Chiefs guys? I mean, how could you possibly sit Mahomes? How could you possibly sit Tyree Kill? Their running back's a complete disaster. I don't think we're playing anybody there. Uh, but but do you think that there's a chance? Is Andy Reid a, a sitting players kind of guy if this came down to Sunday night and they had everything locked up, or is there no worry at all with Kansas City? Well, I guess you're assuming the Patriots win. Assuming the yeah, it's a bit, it's a big scenario there. But well, you, yeah, you just you just you just I'm sorry because you just gave the Baltimore and the Houston scenario. So I just want to make sure the, the the Patriots win, then they're also still a game ahead, right? They'd be twelve and three, and the and the Chiefs would be eleven and four. I, 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 yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, I believe that's the case. Yeah. So uh, assuming the Patriots win, the Ravens win, and the Texans lose, um, I guess I, I'd be surprised in Week 16. That really hasn't been an Andy Reid thing. At week 17, maybe, but. Um, you know, you're, you're still a, a team that's trying to find a rhythm with the run game. Uh, I, I still think the passing game, you know, hasn't been perfect. Um, so they, they probably would like to, you know, still have some semblance of some continuity there. You know, maybe it's not a four quarters game, you know, especially depending on how the outcome's going. And, you know, I don't know exactly what the weather report's supposed to be in Chicago, but if it's right. less than ideal, you know, they just came off a less than ideal scenario at home against the Broncos in the snow. So, I would be shocked if they're resting guys. It just doesn't feel like something that the Chiefs would do, but I guess it's something you have to take into account. Yeah, I mean, we're very fortunate this year to head into Week 16 with not a lot of this kind of conversation. It feels like every year we have some of it, and you have to worry about it, but not nearly as much as there is in years past. And speaking of which, I know that this is a hot topic every single year in fantasy when we get this time of the year. 
And I think on, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, you could tell me more because you see all the subscriptions or at least know the, of the subscriptions for, uh, for CBS, but I feel like there's still five or 10% of the people in that big pool of that play fantasy football that are going to play next week too and play that thing out. Uh, I mean, I don't think that you advocate that. I certainly don't advocate that. But, you know, you could jump into DFS or jump into something else. Why do you think it is that people still play that thing out all the way through the end? I think it's the the, the thrill of the competition. You know, you don't want to let go of something that you've enjoyed yeah. for, uh, you know, four or five months. Um, you know, there's obviously DFS as well. You know, that's going to you know be popular in Week 17 because, you can get some really fun options with some of the teams that will be resting, and as we're talking about, some of these injury replacements. Some, but you know, some people are old school. Like you said, you've been doing it since uh, you had to wait for the scores in newspapers, and when people were doing it back then, they were playing in Week 17. You know, they were. Yeah. You know, n- no, nobody really gave a lot of thought to well, you know, teams are sitting. We should probably end our fantasy leagues in Week 16 instead of Week 17. So uh, I, I think that you know, you have people that just enjoy it for for one more week. You also have now. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I guess it really wouldn't matter the the guillotine league, but your your guest decided after this week, so um, right. that that doesn't really matter uh, anyway. But um, you know, some teams they they do it for draft picks. You know, you, you play in week 17 from some consolation games too uh, to decide how your your draft order goes. Yeah, I've yeah, I suppose so. Time. Yeah, yeah. I um, you know, the the fantasy playoff leagues I like those one and done guillotine type styles where you pick the player they get eliminated they're out. I've done very well in those the last few years. I'm I hope to get into one this year. Uh, have you guys started looking at 2020, who the top few picks may be? I would imagine McCaffrey is is as clear-cut one as there's ever been in fantasy football, and then who falls into like two and three for you guys right now after that? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're actually going to start doing that uh, next week on our, okay. all of our programming podcasts and, and our CBS Sports HQ stuff. So uh, I actually have uh, tasked my colleagues that, to get me that information for our shows with the ones I help produce uh, for Sunday night. Um, so I haven't given it much thought yet entirely, but, you know, it's hard to get past, obviously, Zeke and Barkley. I think bouncing back, you know, hopefully with a better offensive line and a you know, full year of, of Daniel Jones and, and whole offseason for him. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun to see where, you know, the guys who have struggled and where they get selected. You know, Kamara's clearly had a frustrating season. Uh, Fournette has had a frustrating season. Both guys are going to get a lot of work once again, you know, in their respective offenses. You know, Fournette's mm-hmm. been really tough to gauge because, you know, so much work and the yards have been great, but the the touchdowns, the lack of touchdowns are are so frustrating. And then conversely, somebody like Joe Mixon, who has really flown under the radar how, how well he's done. Um, but it's the Bengals, and, and you don't know what exactly this team's going to look like because the assumption is clearly that they're going to take Joe Burrow. But if they don't, you know, what, uh, what's the quarterback situation there for this Bengals team? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it hasn't been talked about a lot, but, um, you know, like of the Melvin Gordon style, Mixon could absolutely pull up Melvin Gordon going into next year, going into the final year of his deal. And and we wouldn't know that until August, but he's a right. prime candidate for getting abused in Cincinnati for the last few years going into the final year of his deal. Uh, I think that's why they gave him the ball a lot over the last few weeks to you know pep him up a little bit, but he could hold out. I, mean, I wouldn't wouldn't shock me at all. Um, all right, Jamie, well, listen, good luck in your championship weeks uh, this week with all the leagues that you're in. And uh, certainly thanks so much for coming on the show all season long and helping you know, us, us win fantasy leagues. I know as a friend and as a colleague, it really meant a lot to me that you participated with me this year. I really appreciate it, and thank you again for coming on so much, really. Thank you. Uh, 
Craig, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on, and uh, hopefully we help some people win. And good luck in your championships as well. And happy holidays to everybody who's uh, who's been following us. I, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, bud. Okay, there it is. Jamie Eisenberg with us all season long. CBS Sports, cbsports.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Jamie Eisenberg. Do it right now. Help yourself win this week, next week, if you're playing in any kind of fantasy football league. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here on the show. When we return, we've got the two-minute warning. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We end the show with a little two-minute drill. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? Well, I need a lot longer than two minutes to give a full review of the Star Wars movie that I saw last night, The Rise of Skywalker. I got to tell you, I'm not going to give anything away because I hate when people spoil movies for me. But that's why I saw it on Thursday night was to make sure that I didn't have to hear about it from everybody else. And I'll just say this. The reviews are definitely mixed. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of in between. But at least this has us talking about something that we want to go to and we want to see. It's not very often that something is so polarizing, but the idea is this. It's two hours of your time. It's a break from the normal. It costs you a total of 15 bucks probably in most places to see a movie. And if you grew up watching Star Wars like I did, you can't go wrong. It's seeing the old characters along with the new ones. And for the final time, it's worth your time. And so my review is go see the movie, make your own judgment, and don't make it more out than what it actually is, which indeed ended up being a good movie. All right, that'll do it for the show, and that'll do it for the week. Thanks again to everybody who listened to us this week. Thanks again to my producers today, Sean Glastamaki and Chris Pavona. Of course, thank you to Jamie Eisenberg for coming on the show. We'll be back Monday with a recap of Championship Weekend in the NFL in terms of fantasy football. Dr. Roto is next with full-time fantasy. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you Monday. See us.